Right, let's get on with our fourth part in the series, um, looking at how do we grow our faith? How can we have big faith? How can we have that kind of faith that just perhaps annoys people who don't have any faith? Adrian? <laughs> I know you have, <laughs> and as soon as you turn away. So how can you have faith that when you look away from the door, it's going to be okay? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, how can we have big faith? Hello, hello, you're back from your travels. It's good to see you. Sorry, very distracted today. <laughs> you're just in time. We're just beginning looking at how can we have faith that the minister knows what she's doing and it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. It's all going to be good. So as you're probably aware, some of the things that we've been looking at in this series is these five things that when thousands of people have been asked and interviewed, these are the things that has impacted their faith or impacted how their faith has grown. So you might have just had some great teaching or the Bible's been opened up to you in a different way or you've been at a conference and you've come away and you're on a massive spiritual high of all the great things that God is going to do through you. There's some kind of teaching that impacts you. There's also about the relationships that you might have that Matthew talked about last weekend. What relationships do you have that people have made a big difference on you? It might be, I don't know if I could have got through this if it hadn't have been for that person. Or this person invited me to church and my life has never been the same. Or this person did this or something like that. It's about the relationships that we have. Today we're going to look at dis disciplines and then the next couple of weeks we're going to look at personal ministry and pivotal circumstances um, as we look at these things that impact our faith. Now the thing is about today, the personal disciplines, this is something you can control and do. So that's the big note heads up for this one. This is something you can be intentional about and have a purpose about. Yes, you can put yourself in places where good teaching happens, but you can't always guarantee that. Trust me, I've been to a few conferences and then wish I'd never gone. So there are times when that happens, but you can't always control those things happening, the relationships that you have. You can't always control some of those. And sometimes we might drift off into bad company and start to evolve our life around them. But um, sometimes these things happen without us meaning to control them. Our personal disciplines, the things that we do, and I'm going to go into that in a bit more detail, you are in control of. The life events that get thrown at you and happen that you wouldn't have controlled or planned or asked for, you can't always control those, can you? They're things that happen. So you get the point. Personal disciplines we're going to focus on today. This is one of the things that you can take personal responsibility, that's a horrible word, responsibility for having an impact on your own faith. So let's talk about this D word and what it is. I don't know what you feel like when you hear the word discipline. You either like it, indifferent to it, or it brings back horrible memories. And um, we use the word T word in our family, you don't say tired to young children. Are you tired? Or I think they're tired. That 
is the green light for a complete meltdown. You don't do that. What you do is we use the T word so that we all know what we're talking about. But obviously you remember that children then click on, don't they? They know what you're talking about. Last Monday, um, I was a bit late back to taking the grandchildren from swimming and took them home. And my daughter said, have you taken them to the Golden Arches? Because that's our code word in the family for talking about McDonald's. And, um, and I, I went, no, we haven't. I've had to go shopping. And then Connor goes, oh, I wish we'd gone to McDonald's now. And we're like, how did you learn our code words? <laughs> but you forget, they grow up, don't they? And these words all have a particular meaning for people. So maybe discipline has a particular meaning for you. For me... Discipline is generally tends to feel like a negative word because I always had to be disciplined with the head teacher or by some other adult in my life. So maybe for you it's a negative word, but today, maybe today, we can journey together and think about it being a positive word, a word that actually enables us to move on and have a good and an intentional life. So I think some of you have already had some good discipline in your life, even if this is area that you might particularly struggle with. Anybody been on a diet? <laughs> you don't have to. This is all rhetorical. Oh, you don't necessarily have to confirm to this. So you have to be disciplined, don't you, about what you eat. You have to think about what food you're going to buy, what meals you're going to prepare, and, how you, and sticking to it. So just doing it for one day, it's always gutting for me, just going on a diet for one day doesn't do it. You have to keep at it and do it again the next day and the next day and the next day. And you might think, um, you know, going on a bike, you might think, actually, I might start just going cycling and start doing a bit of that. And before you know it, you've been doing it every day, every day, every day, and you've gone to the shop and brought Lycra. And so you fit in. You know how these things kind of move along and you soon start getting into the thing of it. If you play a musical instrument, anybody been able to pick up a musical instrument and just play it? I used to do violin when I was 12. You used to do violin, and did you have to practice? Excellent. That is exactly the point. When you have to learn a lot, you have to practice a lot to do it, which is always fun for everybody else around you. But you have to put in the daily discipline of practicing. We've got the two puppies, as you know, and we've been told we have to do 10 minutes of training every day from our puppy trainer. Can we find 10 minutes a day? But, you know, it's that 10 minutes a day that apparently makes all the difference for training. But discipline is really when we start to think about something, it might be something we really want to do, but we do it intentionally every day to get us somewhere. Nobody expects to be able to pick up a musical instrument and just be able to know it. Nobody expects to, for the first time, pick up a bike and be able to ride it or ride a three or four day um, challenge on it. You need the discipline of practice, practice, practice. Do it again and again and again. So discipline is something that helps bring progress. It helps us to move forward. And in some areas, discipline brings freedom. The discipline not to do something can bring us freedom. The discipline to concentrate on our weight, our health, and our exercise actually means you're freer to enjoy other activities. That was what was told to me by my physio, so that's my intentional thing for this year. You're able to do more things that you want to do 
when you want to be able to do them. And then sometimes people who have got into exercise, they might have started off on a bike doing a little bit of exercise and for the first time and they struggle and maybe they've gone round the block um, and before you know it, they're signing up for an Ironman. You know, sometimes these things happen that you start off a little bit and then they become an obsession because you've been doing it so regularly, the feeling is good that you want to carry on with it and before you know it, you're doing something, a bigger challenge to stretch yourself in a particular area. You know, sometimes when somebody's got any musical instruments and, and then they become great artists, don't they? And they make records and they do solos, they go into orchestras, that kind of thing. That sometimes that extra little bit of discipline leads to greater things later on in the end. Now, the great thing with discipline, even if you don't want to do it, you can do it. Even if you think, I hate eating this food, I hate doing exercise, I just don't want to do that. If you keep on doing it, you can do it. So even if you've got the worst attitude in the world to the thing that you want to be intentional about, you can still do it. You can still learn how to do couch to 5K, even if you don't want to do it at all, because you just keep out and doing it and practice, practice, practice. Do you get what I'm, where I'm going with this? Yeah, you've got to keep on with something. So you, it doesn't matter if it's something that you're really not enjoying, but it might be something that you end up enjoying because you've been putting a little bit into it every time. It's what we call delayed gratitude. And it's something that's really hard to have in this world that is around us, which thinks about instant, instant, instant. I can still remember when instant coffee came along and my grandparents thinking that was disgusting because that was so instant. Why couldn't it make people make a proper cup of coffee? Uh, uh, but this whole concept of instant has just got worse, hasn't it, um, in terms of we want things straight away. Can you imagine younger people today who are used to Wi-Fi and 4 and 5G coming, having to do the plug it in, take the phone out, put it into the socket and dial up and wait for the internet connection. Some of us can remember that, can't we, in terms of how the world has changed so much. Even this morning, we, um, the children are playing on the PlayStation and you have to work out exact time and the buzzer has to go off so everybody has equal share on the PlayStation. And I said to Phoebe, she could have another 10 minutes. She could have 10 minutes now because Connor is away this afternoon so he won't be able to play on it. Or she could have an hour this afternoon. So does she want a 10 minutes before we go to church or an hour on her own later on this afternoon, which would help me a lot as we're doing the Christmas fair feedback meeting. And she went, no, I want it now. And I went, but you get a short time now or you can have a longer later. No, I want it now. So, that, you know, I thought, well, this is a product of the generation, isn't it? That they can't see the bigger picture. They want it now. They can't wait of something that's going to go on. So discipline is tough. Practice is tough. Doesn't matter what our attitude is. But if we just keep on doing, we can get there. So discipline is doing what you don't want to do now so that you can do what you want to do later. Ever wanted to run a marathon? Ever wanted to run for the bus? But it starts with just making those first few steps. You get where I'm going with this. So what are personal disciplines? When we talk about our private and our personal disciplines, what we're talking about is our private time with God, our time alone with God, 
our private prayer, when we read the Bible, but it also relates to when in our giving and when we fast. So it's those things that we do that we don't necessarily do with other people. We might decide to do some things together, like we might take up an offering for a special occasion, or we might come together to pray, we might have a day of fasting, all those kinds of things, but that's an additional thing. What we're talking about is what do you do when you're on your own? How do you do these things when it's just you and God and no other human is aware of what you're doing? That's what we're talking about today. And as I said at the beginning, this is something you can, can do, you can do, you are in control of, and you can be intentional about. That's what we're talking about today. And essentially, the whole of this is about what do you do to make time and space for God? I mean, remember that when asked, Jesus said, uh, what was the greatest commandment out of the Ten Commandments? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your mind, with all of your heart, and all of your soul. So what do you do on your own to keep that commandment? That's what we're talking about today. Because all of these things that we're talking about, when we're talking about private um, discipline, is going to have a direct impact on our faith. It talks about our relationship with God. And anybody who's had a one-to-one with me and telling me that they're having a really tough time, they're not sure about their faith, they're, not, they're worried about God, is God really real? They can tell you, the first two questions I will ask you is, how's your Bible reading going? How's your prayer life going? Because the first thing you will give up when life is tough is usually those two things. And when you give up those two things, yes, God is going to feel distant because you're not spending time with him. Those of you who have got a relationship with any other human in any kind, whether it be space, a, a spouse, a, a child, a parent, a good friend, if you don't spend time with one another, that relationship is going to suffer. And it's true with our time with God, when it's just you and God. It's great to come together. I love our Sunday mornings and our gets together and I love singing together and all of those things. And that's great, but that is not going to sustain your relationship with God. You do need to have that one-on-one time. It's essentially, this is who determines who you are and is God really your first love? Are you, what, how is your faith and your trust in God with all of these things? And what we're going to go into now as we open up what God says and what Jesus says about this is really, it's about your time. How do you spend your time and how do you spend your money? These are the two things that are really at the real nub of what we're looking at here this morning when we come to looking at our private disciplines. And I hope that becomes apparent as we go on forward. Essentially, it's about trust. And trust might be a hard word for some of you. It's about relationship. It's about you and God. Do you trust God that he's going to give you the best life that you can have? Do you trust him to give him a bit of your time? Do you trust him to give him a bit of your money? These are the things that will grow our relationship. So let's have a look at what uh, Jesus says on this. We're going to go to Matthew 6, 
early on in the New Testament when um, Jesus is there and he's speaking to people and he's opening up what they knew about the Jewish scriptures for them. And we've come to know this as the Sermon on the Mount. And they know all of this stuff, but he's showing them how they can put it into practice, what it means. And now he moves on to talk to them about their practice of righteousness. And when we look at this bit here, righteousness is the word that Jesus is using for private disciplines, and that will hopefully again also become clear. And he says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So we got the private disciplines here. So it's not if you do, it's when you do. Be careful not to practice them in front of other people, to be seen by them. You know, some people do like to pray, don't they? Really long prayers with big flashy words in them, so everybody will be impressed about that. God is saying, Jesus is saying here, it's not about that. Yes, you might impress the people around you, but that's what it's about. Your reward will be from them because they're impressed from you. Isn't it better to seek the reward from God? And you might say, well, actually, I'm not bothered about doing my private disciplines to get rewarded for it. I know it's good for me, and I want to do that. These are not my words. I'm not saying, oh, do this and be rewarded. This is Jesus saying this. This is Jesus' words, and he links our private disciplines with a reward in the same sentence. So this is Jesus. So we can't ignore that fact. We all like to be a little bit humble, don't we, and go, oh, I do this because um, I, I want to know God. But there is, Jesus is saying, actually, there are some rewards. And if you knew that your life would be better, your life would be rewarded, God would reward you for what you put into this, for your giving and for your the way in which you regularly get spend time with him, would that motivate you to do it? It's not, I'm saying the motivation is really about this is going to grow your faith. But Jesus is very clearly saying maybe this is a motivator for you as well. If you want rewards from heaven, then you need to be doing these private disciplines as well. So be clear on why you're doing them. I think is what Jesus is saying here as well, is that actually this is the stuff that God likes to see. This is the stuff that God knows that nobody else will do. You might come and say to me, well, actually, I've been reading my Bible every day for two hours. I gave 100% of my money to the church and look at my life. But you know that's not true. And God knows that's not true. And it doesn't matter to me what you do. This is about what can you do And what do you want to take responsibility for your life? I'm always very honest. I don't always manage to have a private time every day. But this week, our whole family has been in chaos and lots of things going on. And it's been really, really hard. But you need to be honest with yourself and honest with others. It's not about what you share with other people. This is about what you do, what you're intentional about, what are you going to make a priority in your life, and what's that time between you and God. What everybody else does and how long they do it for is of no interest to you. Just focus on yourself. And Jesus continues and he says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. And truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. 
So their reward is the fact that everybody's seen them. Their reward is that they've made a big fanfare of what they're doing. Don't go for that reward, Jesus is saying. Go for the better reward. Yes, we don't get to see it now. We don't experience it now. We don't always know how it's going to look like. It's not as tangible as somebody else giving you praise and all of those things. But don't live for the praise of other humans. Live for the glory of God. And he continues, but when, again, when, not if, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So when we're talking about giving here, as I say, it's when, not if. And in this particular illustration, giving to the needy is not giving our tithes or doing the offering that we've just done here. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. What he's talking about here is an additional thing, what they used to term alms um, in uh, more kind of not so recent times, but also um, in the Bible. But it talks about when we see a need and we give. So that might be giving food to the food bank. That's a very practical way that we do for needy here. It might be when we have an offering for our fellowship fund here that we might take up a separate offering or an offering for missionaries abroad or for tier fund or for street pastors or something like that. It's an additional thing that's very clearly identified with a need. I see a need and I'm willing to give. This is an additional thing. So not only is God saying, you should tithe to your church, he's also saying, and also give to the needy. For the Jewish people of this time, tithing to the church somewhere between 10 or 20% of their income would have been the norm. That's what they would have been doing, and then giving to the needy. Now for some people, that's probably just making your stomach full of knots, you're probably feeling really uncomfortable. Oh no, this is a giving sermon. Everyone's talking about money. And um, I totally understand that. I've been in that place myself when you suddenly have to realize that actually you're surrendering your money to God as well. It's not just um, your time or your choices of life, all of those things. This is the, the, I always say it's when the rubber hits the road moment. Are we following God? Are we trusting God? The percentage I would say I'm just trying to think. Uh, the percentage, I would say, is irrelevant. Yeah? If it's 100%, that's fantastic. But that's not what it's about. Whatever the percentage is that you want to give to God, that's between you and God. And we're going to come on to a little bit more about that. The thing why this is so, so important is because this is about you and your relationship to God. Is your money yours or is your money God's? What's your master? You can't have two masters. The Bible's really clear about that. If you love God and you want to serve him, what are your private disciplines towards money giving and prayer and fasting? Because if giving money is a bit of an issue with you, then I think that's one of the things that you can work on because I really strongly believe that if you're a committed Christian, then you should be tithing to your church. The percentage is irrelevant and some people start with low and they work up as they see God at work 
I would say to you, pick a percentage and stick with that. That's something that's worth for you to um, think about. Why is this important? Because what are the greatest stresses on your life here? What are the greatest things that maybe are the things that causes conflict in your family, with your spouse, with your other people? And I would say a lot of it comes down to time and a lot of it comes down to money. These are the things that drive us in this world and want our trust, that want our relationships because we think those are the things that we can rely on and trust on in this life. And these are the things that we need to learn to trust God with. Now, I know none of you have died yet, which is really great. Some of you could do looking like a little bit more alive this morning, but I'll let give you off, it's Sunday morning. But when we die, when that day comes for each one of us, and as far as I know, it will come for each one of us at some point, is that, you can see, death doesn't have no bother for me, and I'm sorry if that's a bit flippant for some of you, but I know where I'm going, and I'm very happy and at peace about that. But when we do, most of us who are committed Christians, or if we're on a journey, if we're wondering where we're going to do, we are going to 100% rely on God being there to welcome us and take him into his kingdom or whatever thing you may want to rely on. So when that moment comes, that's the time when our 100% reliance is gonna be on God, and he's gonna be there going, all right, let's go. Whatever it is, so why not do that now? Why not put your 100% trust in him now with your money and your giving? A, is it good, uh, and your time, not only is it good practice, but this is what a relationship, a mature relationship, walking with God is. Please don't think I'm now asking you to tithe lots. That's not what I'm trying to do today. That's in a couple of weeks. Don't worry about that. But today, what I'm trying to do is make the points that these are the things that are going to be arguing for your time in your stomach, in your mind, because these are the things that take us. Jesus, every day, went out to pray early in the morning. Now, some of you maybe more busy than Jesus, I don't know. But he managed to do that every day. And I think he sets that as an example for us to do. So why not say, for the first few moments of your day, or whatever works for you, I just happen to be a morning person. If I don't do it in the morning, it's not going to happen. That's my true and honest way of living. But if it works for you in the evening, if it works for you on the train to work, if it works for you when you get to work, because that's where you find peace and quiet, that's something I used to do when my other children were really younger, is I used to go to work early and find a bit of space there. Whatever works for you, why not commit to give God your first hours of the day and your first pennies or pounds of, of your income as well? These are the things that just allows you to grow your faith. And I would say, I am convinced that you will see not only a difference in your relationship with God, but you will start to see rewards coming. I am not a prosperity preacher before anybody starts getting worried about that. I'm not saying if you do this, this will happen. But what we've just heard Jesus say to us is that when we do these things, God rewards us. God rewards us. It might not be that all of a sudden you're going to have that Lamborghini outside or the new house or your mortgage is going to be paid off. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we don't know what those rewards are. 
The rewards might just come when you go to the GP and the results are better than you expected. The rewards might come that somebody just comes into your life at just the right moment. The rewards might come when you're tempted to do something that you remember who you are at just the right moment and that, I would say, is a reward from God. Spend your time with him. Give to him. Do not let money be the boss of you. Do not let time and busyness be the boss of you. Even if it's five minutes a day, even if it's a half percent of your income, whatever it is, this is the message today, is that when we practice these private disciplines, that's when we start to see a, um, a difference in our faith. And it continues when we start to look at praying. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So not only is he mentioning it to, um, for those people who are giving out in front of everybody, but also those people who are praying out in front of people. As I say, it's good that we do some things together, but it's the stuff that you do on your own that's important. Those are the things that builds a relationship with God. And I would say having a good relationship with Jesus is the best reward ever. Knowing that I am loved, knowing that I am accepted, knowing that I am significant in his eyes and that he has got me, whatever mess I decide to put myself into is the best reward I would say, and that's why Jesus went to the cross, that we can all have this life if we choose it for ourselves. So he says, what do you need to do? He says, and when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Don't be looking for the glory of others. It is nice when people see us and encourage us and know what we're doing, but seek God's approval. Seek what he has for your life. Those are the treasures, and they are the treasures that no one can take away. When you've had praise and encouragement and acknowledgement by other humans, yes, that's great, but they can turn around and say something pretty horrible to you the next minute, so don't be seeking that. When you have got God's reward, when you've got honor from him, nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can take that treasure that you have. And that's why that's the treasure to go for. So it's all about our private things. What's our private disciplines? What are the things that you are going to do to help you grow your faith? It's not about what we do collectively. It's not about um, how much you give or all of that type of stuff. This is about what do you do individually that can help your faith grow, help your faith be sustained. So my challenge as we start to close uh, is pick a percentage. If this is not something that you do, pick a percentage. And whenever you get your money, this is just practical advice now for me, if you get paid monthly, pay it monthly. Do it, be it as the first thing that you do. Make it a priority. When you wake up, 
Pick a time and make it. Be intentional about it. If it works for you to do it first thing in the morning, that's great. But if it's at five o'clock when you get in from work, then do it and do it at five o'clock every day. Make it an, an intention. If it's the thing that you do at the last thing at night, then you know, make sure you do set that as a regular time. Paul talks um, in the New Testament, one of the... Um, uh, no, it's Peter, isn't it? In the New Testament, one of the early um, disciples of Jesus who knew him and walked with him... And he says that he went to the rooftop at three o'clock, as he does every day. Three o'clock in the afternoon, every day. And you know what? God spoke to him. Because God knew he was going to be there at three o'clock. I don't know how God enables to hear all of us and meets with us. That's, I just don't know. Don't ask me those questions. But what I know is he does. So when you're intentional... God's going to show up. If you're one of those people who thinks, why does God speak to them and not me? Why do other people hear God's voice and I don't? Why do other people get pictures and all of that type of thing and I don't? Well, I will say to you, it's because of private disciplines. When you spend time with God and God knows that you're going to show up, he's going to show up. This is, and again, I'm not talking about those prayers as we go through the day. Lord, please help this meeting go all right. Lord, please make me have a parking space. Lord, please make the kids behave. Please let there be something in the, dinner to, in the fridge that, for dinner that I forgot about. Those, those prayers are great, and those are through the day prayers. This is about intentional prayers, about prayers where we're going to set aside a time for God. If you've never been taught how to have a quiet time, I'll be really happy to talk to you about that, but I've got some leaflets here for you. There's enough, if, you, if they do run out, how to have a quiet time, and there's lots of ideas on there. It would make my day if all of them go, and I have to go and photocopy some more. If that's something you've never been taught before, or you just want to check in with what you're doing, is, is what, we, what we mean about here, about having a quiet time, then please do take a life, but make it a priority. So commit to a percentage. Commit to make giving some time. These are the things that challenge us for our time, our mind, our hearts, and our soul in this life. And what we need to do to grow our faith is to get ready and used to giving them to God, ready for the next life. And I look forward to hearing some of your testimonies of what you found out as you have given religiously to God those things. Shall we pray?